Hello, everyone. We're here live on Facebook and YouTube with the Tomorrow's World Now webcast. My name is Mike DeSimone. I'll be hosting today's show. I'm in for Wyatt Siselka, who normally hosts the show. Uh, we have Mr. Rod McNair and Mr. Jim Meredith with us today. They're both ministers in the Church of uh, in the Living Church of God, as uh, myself. Um, just a reminder: I do want to say. Uh, if you would share this link on Facebook, on your Facebook page or YouTube, that would be very helpful. That would be good. Um, we often talk about, on this show, we often talk about the news, we talk about world events and how it relates to biblical, um, biblical ideas, biblical topics, and uh, because we are living in biblical times now. But on today's show, we're going to do it a little bit different. We're getting into Scripture. We're going to talk about the Bible. We're going to actually get into... Uh, how oftentimes some passages are misused, misunderstood. We've got uh, thousands of denominations in the, in the world, thousands of Christian denominations, all claim to use the Bible as what they look to for Scripture, as they claim that they believe it. Uh, so why are there so many different varying views on various passages? Um, we're going to talk about how to understand those scriptures. We're going to call them difficult scriptures. There are some few passages we're going to talk about. We're going to give examples of that, talk about how to understand that, uh, and like I said, we'll get into some examples later in the show. Um, and before we get into it, I wanted to remind you to ask questions. If you have any questions, you can contact us through Facebook. Uh, we want to hear your questions. In fact, uh, we may not be able to get to all of them today, but we will have a show soon that will cover your questions. Uh, we do appreciate your questions and your comments, and we'll be looking at it as we, uh, as we go through the show. Um, so let's get into it. Again, we have one book. We have the, uh, thousands of denominations, thousands of churches, and why is it that there are different varying views? I mean, you know, why do people literally fight over different meanings of the same verse? Why is that the case? I think a big reason of why there are so many different views is because a lot of people don't understand the, the purpose of the Bible. They don't understand what it was written for. Um, in our day and age, we, we might expect it to be like a science textbook. We might expect it to have everything laid out um, you know, according to how we would, we would have an instructional textbook in our day and age. And it's just not that way. It's, it's written differently. It's built differently. Um, it wasn't ever designed to answer every right. possible question of life. Um, and so it was designed to give us the information we need in order to understand the truth, in order to understand how to please God, how to live our lives. Um, and, and so it's a mystery to some people because they don't, they, they, they have the wrong expectation of it, I think, is one, is one point. Interesting. You know, you mentioned it's not written like a science textbook. You know, you're right. It's not something that, that builds from the beginning, and you, you get this point, and then you build on top of it with this next point and next point throughout the whole Bible. It's, it's kind of here and there. You have to put the ideas together, really. Oh, absolutely. God, um, he, he wants us to learn His way of life. And uh, 
part of that learning process is studying the Bible and knowing it, not just a little tiny bit here and a little tiny bit there. And so, you know, if we're not studying God's Word and taking the time to really dive into it in depth, you know, we're not going to understand it. And, uh, you know, so many people think that they know what the Bible says, and yet they really don't. And, you know, that's the reality of it. When you start talking to people about the Bible, um, they, you know, you, you ask them, go out on the street and ask your friends or your coworkers, you know, do you study the Bible? And some of them may have, you know, read a scripture here or there, or they'll read a psalm or a proverb or something, but they really don't take the time to really study to say, what does this really mean? Right. And anybody that's gone to college or university or whatever, if you want to get a degree and you want to do well and succeed in life, what do you have to do? You've got to study. You've got to take the time and make the effort to really understand it, because otherwise you'll never get past two plus two. Right. You know, uh, if you want to get into you know higher learning, you're going to have to take the time to to you know really truly learn what uh, you know what that whole right. topic and whole subject is about. You know, one thing I, I think about a passage that comes to mind is in Second Peter uh, three fifteen. And where Peter's writing, and he's writing about Paul's writings, his epistles, his letters, Paul's letters, and he says uh, in verse 15, uh, consider the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, as the, our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, also in his epistles, and all his epistles, his writings, speaking in them of these things, the very things that some of the things that Peter was talking about, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction. So it, it definitely is a, is a real thing, and you know, why are some things misunderstood? Maybe some of that is, you know, maybe having a, a predetermined agenda and using Scripture to support that agenda. Absolutely. Right. And, you know, I, I think, you know, just going back to what Peter said, here you've got one apostle talking about another apostle, right. and he is saying exactly what I felt my whole life in, in reading Paul's writings. When you start reading the books that Paul wrote and the letters that he wrote... They're not easy. They're not easy. <laughs> they're, they're, sometimes some of the stuff is like, what is he saying? Right. And as I said earlier, if you're not really delving into it and trying to learn, you're just going to go right on and, well, I don't understand it, move on. And, uh, and also, you know, he's, he's pointing out here that, you know, yeah, there, there's things, and so people can take some of his writings, as they have, and many examples, and they've twisted it to fit whatever their agenda is. Right. You know, that's, that's <clears throat> absolutely right. Your, our agenda, their, their agenda, when we talk about agenda... You know, the Bible, another uh, view, a worldview of the Bible that is it really important to come to grips with is it, it's a correcting book. Mm -hmm. It corrects us. That's right. It does not allow us to just sort of stay where we are. And uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 7 says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be, mm -hmm. so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So truly, if we, and we're going to get to some of the ways right. that we need to, to, to understand the Bible, but truly, if we are not willing to be corrected, if we're not willing to, to take it as, as you were mentioning, instruction. To, as instruction, 
um, we're not going to understand it because, and then, and then that causes us to, well, I'm going to twist this so it doesn't make me feel guilty <laughs> because when I feel guilty, I feel bad and I don't want to feel bad. And it's just the way the, the natural mind works. It's not that Right. That anyone is in particular a uh, you know a particularly bad person for doing that. It's natural. Right. Without God's help, we don't want to be corrected by God's word, and so therefore we're we're we'll we'll look for an easy out. Right. And a twisted scripture gives an easy out. And you know, oftentimes these these passages they. So a passage that might be under misunderstood. And again, we're we're going to look at a couple of those as we go through the show. But that one passage will blow out the other 95% of Scripture oftentimes. Right. It, it just throws away the other 95% of God's yeah. Word. And you know, that, that's one way to know, hey, I might not be understanding this passage properly right. if it contradicts very clear, unmistakable uh, other passages. Yeah. Well, you know, Mr. McNair's point earlier, he talked about the, the Bible being a book of correction, and, and nobody likes correction. But uh, even, you know, once again, the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 3.16, you know, was very clear about that exact point, but he brings in a few other points in there where he says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, mm -hmm. for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness... And then you've got to keep going there, because that's, go to the next verse, it's part of the same sentence, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Right. And so, you know, I guess it gets back to me with a fundamental, you know, beginning that people have to begin from, that either you do or don't believe that this book that we live our lives by is the Word of God or not. Right. You know, is there... A God, that's number one. Do you believe there's a God? Do you truly believe there's a God? Or do you just think, well, maybe there is one? So until you can get an answer to that first question, you're never going to get past you know, right. you know, first base, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Then it's a matter of, okay, then, then you've got there is a God, and Jesus Christ was real, and, you know, it's a, and then you work your way on through it. And so this book that we have is the Word of God. And as, as the Apostle Paul said, he said, all Scripture. And what was he talking about? Because the New Testament wasn't written yet. Right. Okay, right? He was talking about the Old Testament. He was talking about the Old Testament that, that yeah. so many people say, well, it was right. done away with. So we'll talk about that more later. But, right. you know, you, you, you say, did, did Paul not know what he was talking about? Right. Or right. did he say something and really mean it? And it is the truth. Yeah, in case you're joining us just now, uh, we're, we have Mr. Rod McNair, Mr. Jim Meredith with us. We're discussing about how some biblical passages are, are misunderstood or used uh, differently by different denominations, different churches, and so forth. Um, these are misunderstood, misused passages. We might, again, call them difficult scriptures in that way. Uh, you touched on about how to uh, understand them, you know, about what Scripture is for, which gets, in, gets us to the next point, which is how can we properly understand Scripture? How can we properly understand God's Word and understand the various, uh, maybe what we might call challenging Scriptures or difficult Scriptures? How can we understand them? <clears throat> well, you know, the, the 
basic thing is our attitude. What is our attitude? Are we coming at it with a with a humble attitude? You know, God talks about in Isaiah how um, you know my earth is my footstool and and heaven is my throne. But to this man will I mm-hmm. look, who who trembles at my word, right. the the one who has an attitude of wanting to learn and wanting to seek out uh, knowledge and understanding of how to live their life. Th- this is a book about how to live our life. It's a book about life. It's about where we came from and how we uh, got here and why we're here and where we're going. And But we have to, as, as you mentioned, we have to be willing to acknowledge that there is a creator, there is an authority, and that attitude is, is first and foremost, and even that we tremble at God's word, that we, we're not looking for an out, we're not looking for justification, of our own uh, desires and our own lifestyle, but we we really want to learn, and and that goes a long way with God. That that uh, He says that is like pure gold to Him. Uh, one other uh, thought I think is a key, and I say I think is a key. You know, we we actually do have in our Tomorrow's World Bible Study course here. Uh, we do have uh, it goes over how to understand. God's Word. In fact, on the ver- one of the very first uh, parts of the lesson, you mentioned attitude. That is key. In fact, it says, you know, first, most important key to understanding the Bible is attitude. Of course, you know, there, there are scriptures that uh, support that. Um, another is obedience to God, obeying God. Um, Psalm 111, verse 10 uh, so think about Psalm 111, verse 10. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they who do His commandments. We have to do His commandments. Live by them. Live by them. In order to understand it. If we don't, it, w- w- there can't be a proper understanding of Scripture. Can't be there. No, you, you know, you hit, you hit the nail on the head there as, you know... David did there in the Psalms, that uh, if, if you don't live by every word of God, um, as Jesus said, um, you're, you're never going to make it. You're never going to get there. You've got to be able to understand what the truth is and um, be willing to live by it. And, and that's that word willing is really what's the key, because a lot of people, as we talked about, hundreds and thousands of different denominations have this book, they understand this book, and yet they're not willing to do what it says, and they try to look for excuses and ways to get out of it, rather than to say, how can I comply with God's word and live by his law, rather than how can I find a way around this? I mean, that's, you know, you talked about the carnal mind is enmity with God, Mm -hmm. Well, that's the basis of it. The carnal mind wants to do its own thing. It doesn't want to be told what to do. None of us like rules and regulations. Mm -hmm. We all bristle when it's like, okay, uh, all right, I'll do it because I have to. That's just, you know, that's the way we're born. And, you know, without God's Holy Spirit, which is another, you know, obviously an important point that God's Holy Spirit is working with you, and, you know, obviously as, as God is working with you and His Spirit is with you, and then when you get baptized and you have His Spirit within you, you're going to continue to learn more and more. And it isn't just a, it, it happens all at once and suddenly, oh, I'm saved and I'm good and it's all good and I don't have right. to do anything else. It's like, no, this is a continuing process. That's why we call it conversion. Conversion is an ongoing process, process. that we're all going through until the day we die. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, to understand that, that, you know, learning God's laws is something that we have to do. And so, you know, knowing the basic and understanding the basics of saying, you know, look at what God's word and, and takes it and take it at its word. Take God at his word rather than trying to look for a way around it. Right. That's true. You know, another, another key to understanding the Bible is um, sometimes people are, uh, you know, sincere and genuine and, and they're not looking for um, a loophole, but it just seems like there's an apparent contradiction. Right. It just, you know, you try to match them up and they just don't match up. And I think uh, we have a, there's an article that Mr. Dexter Wakefield wrote um, some time ago, Three Things Nailed to the Cross. And he brought out how the sign that was nailed on the, on the stake on the cross with Jesus there is worded slightly differently in each of the Gospels. Hmm. So, so for example, in, in Mark 15, it was written, The King of the Jews. In Luke 23, this is the king of the Jews. In Matthew 27, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. In John 19, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. So then, so some say, well, see, the Bible contradicts itself. <laughs> right, right. You can't depend on the Bible because there were four writers and they all said something different. No, uh, they all, uh, they, when you put them together, as we've heard explained so many times, it's not a, a question of either or, but it's a question of when the Bible apparently contradicts itself, you put them all together and you get a fuller picture. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, were they, uh, were, was every writer, uh, you know, copying down exactly the wording? Well, apparently not, and they were doing it from memory, memory. and this was how it came all together. So, mm -hmm. uh, one of the one of the ways to eliminate apparent contradictions is simply to put it all together mm. to look at all the different scriptures that apply to one topic and see what the big picture is as opposed to as you said uh you know 95% point this way <laughs> and then one points this way and uh and then it doesn't make any sense that kind of goes along with Isaiah 28 and verse 10 uh, that talks about line upon line, precept upon precept, you know, the, the, here a little, there a little. It's, it's putting it together to come up with the picture, and a picture that doesn't conflict and doesn't reject the remainder of Scripture. Right. Well, um, if I can just make one other, you know, comment on this and, and all, I, I mean, as both of you have known me for a long time, and Mr. McNair's known me all of his life, I'm a little older than him, but, uh, um, you know, my dad, Roderick Meredith, who, um, as many of you watching this will know, is the one that was the head of the Living Church of God and just died recently. If there's one thing that he taught me, and I've heard him say over dozens, if not probably hundreds and maybe thousands of times in my life, is, is in, just in talking about of, of the Bible, is in, let the Bible interpret the Bible. You know, if you, if you try to go out on your own and do it, but you say, well, this scripture doesn't make sense, but then when you look at it in context of the entire chapter or even the whole book, and then you look at other scriptures that are talking about the same thing, you can come to, in essence, the correct conclusion. But you've got to let the Bible interpret the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the Bible, the, the Bible says that, there, you know, the, that it, is, it is of no private interpretation, 
And, and you, you say, no, private. Well, can we not interpret? Well, we can, but it's through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit working within us that he gives us an understanding. Right. But it gets back to one of those first points we talked about. You've got to study. You've got to put the work and the effort into it. If you don't research it and you just pick up your Bible and read a chapter and move on, you're never going to understand it because right. you'll never really get a full context and you'll never really know and understand how you can put a scripture in the New Testament together with the scripture in the Old Testament and come up with the right conclusion of what's it really talking about. Right. You know, and <clears throat> I think you touched on uh, a point as well. You may have mentioned it. Uh, just the, the plain scriptures ought to help clarify the difficult, more challenging, less clear right passage right and that that also can be a, a, a big difference because again if that if that one passage contradicts the other 95 percent then something's probably not right there something's right. probably wrong right um again in case you're joining us just now we've got uh, mr rod mcnair mr jim meredith with us and we're talking about uh how some passages in the bible are used in differently by different denominations, misunderstood, uh, we're calling difficult scriptures. Um, we do have uh, some people watching from Sri Lanka, Ireland, New Mexico, uh, Oregon, Ohio, Kentucky, so all over, that's good. Uh, we appreciate you watching, and just a reminder to share on Facebook or YouTube. And uh, do, we do want to get to the, a couple examples of what we're talking about, these couple of examples. Uh, first one is in Colossians 2 and verse 13, um, 13 and 14. You know, the people use this passage to say that the law was nailed to the cross, that we don't need to use, uh, we don't need to obey the law of God anymore. It's done away with. It's over with. And so anyways, we, we want to look at that passage in the context of uh, how to properly understand it and of what we've already talked about. Um, one of you want to head that up? Sure. Well, one of, one of the things that we talked about is, um, as Mr. Meredith mentioned, when you've got to look at the context. You've got to look at not just one scripture, but what does it say early in the chapter? What does it say later in the chapter? And the first thing we find is in Colossians 2, if we back up to verse 8, this, was, this book was not an attack on God's law. It was not an attack on the, the commandments of God. It was not an attack on, on what the Jews had been keeping. Because we see in uh, chapter 2 and verse 8, it says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. So, so he was dealing with traditions of men. He was... He was that was the, the problem of the whole context. So it, it, it wasn't God's law at all. Later in the chapter, we find he talks about, uh, let no one, verse 18, cheat you out of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels. Uh, talks about regulations, uh, do not touch, verse 20, do not taste, do not handle. Uh, this, this was not talking about God's law, um, had nothing to do with God's law. Uh, which all concern things which, which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. 
And then he says the, the wisdom of self-imposed religion, false humility, neglect of the body, which are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. So apparently attacking some of the ascetic ideas of, uh, and Gnosticism and, and some of the crazy uh, doctrines, false doctrines that were going around. Mm-hmm. So the c- whole context of the book had nothing to do with, with uh, these Jews uh, are in, you know, influencing the Christians to keep the Sabbath and keep the Holy Days, and you shouldn't be doing that. had nothing to do with it at all. No. Uh, I do want to read the, the passage itself. Uh, in verses 13 and 14, it says, uh, And you being dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has it, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all, you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that, is, that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So, so this idea of the handwriting of requirements uh, that was against us is used to say that this is the, the laws of God, or the law of God, when in reality that's not what it means at all. And of course, thinking about it that way, again, throws out the rest of God's Word that says, that we'll look at a couple scriptures, you know, it says, keep the law of God. Keep the Ten Commandments. Oh. I want to read just uh, real quick from a Bible background commentary. Um, this actually, Dr. Mr. Uh, Dexter Wakefield mentioned this. Uh, it says, uh, Jewish tradition also portrayed sins as debts before God. Paul says the atonement occurred when the debt was nailed to the cross in Christ and thus paid. Th- uh, the phrase that Paul uses, certificate of debt, is a reference to uh, the guilt of our sins, not God's divine law. And uh, anyways, it makes me think about Matthew 6, where he says, forgive us our debts, our sins. It's talking about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, as you said, there are so many people that, as I, as I like to say, professing Christians who think that the law, God's Ten Commandments, were nailed to the cross. We no longer have to keep them. And that is such a basic and fundamental thing for those of us uh, who understand God's Word. And as I said, you, you can't throw any of it out. Uh, you know, the Apostle Peter talked about, you know, um, you know all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Like I said, either you believe that or you don't. But, um, you know, Jesus Christ, what did He say to His disciples and others? If you love me, what? Right. Just... Keep me in your heart, and you'll be in, in heaven with me someday. Right, right. No. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Right. Why would he then do away with the law at his death when just before he died, he said, keep my commandments? Right. So, right. you know, the reality of, of this, like you said, is that at baptism, our sins are washed away. We're dead to sins now. The penalty of sin is death. That's, that's a given. We understand that. We know that. But those sins can and will be forgiven, mm-hmm. but only if we repent. Mm-hmm. And then God forgives those sins. At baptism, they're washed away. You know, we're, they're wiped out, so to say, as it talks about here, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that is against us. The handwriting of requirements is the penalty of those sins. And, you know, and he says it's taken out having nailed it to the cross. Well, the cross is a symbol of Jesus Christ and his death, 
And it is only through his death and through him being nailed to that cross where he did die that our sins can be forgiven. They aren't forgiven because we're such nice people. Right. They're forgiven because Jesus Christ gave his life for us. We don't deserve it. We deserve right. death. Right? We do. And, and what was against us? The law, was the law against no. us? No. The, the penalty, you said the penalty of sin is death. Right. Clearly, death is our enemy, and, and, the, and that is against us, where we see so many places in the Scripture where the law was given for our good. It's for our good. It gives us life. You don't, you don't lose anything by keeping God's law. Deuteronomy talks about that. In fact, right. in Deuteronomy 6, 24, uh, Moses said, "...the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always." For our good always. You, d you don't lose anything. You don't you know, lose any benefit by keeping God's law. That he might preserve us alive. That's a good thing, as opposed to death, which is the enemy, which is the bad thing, as it is to this day. Then it will be our righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. So clearly what is against us is the penalty for sin and that's what, what Christ, through the sacrifice, has taken away. Hmm. Um, you know, I think about some, some clear passages. So that, that one, you know, taken, again, twisted, you know, Paul's writings, twisted. As one of the greatest <laughs> twisted scriptures that there is, that's like right. I said. Yeah. Right. Uh, one of Paul's clear writing, uh, you know, uh, comments here in second, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 19, it says, Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters. How clear. When Jesus, when Jesus was asked by the, the rich fella about what do I need to do to have eternal life, he said, what did he tell him? He told him to keep the commandments. Right. Mm -hmm. Very clear. Very clear. It, it wasn't about an outward physical sign, right. as he talked about there in, in circumcision. Um, you know, God told the Israelites and had the Israelites get circumcised as a sign, but you know later on that was done away with, so to speak, in terms of when, when the Holy Spirit was given and it was opened up in essence, as, as Peter later found out about that we're going to talk about, I think, in our next subject here, is, is that that circumcision of the flesh was not necessary to be, in essence, a part of God's family, to have God's Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, thinking that you have to be circumcised in order to receive God's Holy Spirit is right. not the way God works. Right, right, right. There's another passage that, speaking of other passages that, that uh, shed more light on what Paul said, his, his other words right. in Romans chapter um, uh, 6 and verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Mm -hmm. Verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. He says in verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says in verse 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Right. I mean, how, how right. can you take that wrong? <laughs> he says, on the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. So the whole point of the law is just to help us to understand right. what the rules are mm -hmm. and, and what's required 
and what God expects, and then to be able even to understand, okay, if I have broken the law, now here's something that needs to be fixed. He's, not, not a matter of if I've broken this, when I've broken When right. I've broken the law, absolutely. <laughs> because it, it, it happens a As lot. As he points it I, out in Romans 2, we yeah, all yeah. Romans 7, 24, right. what, what did he say? Oh, wretched man that I right. am. Yeah. Paul admitted right. openly that he was wretched, right. that he was a sinner, and we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right. So you know, we, we, we can't let that stop us in our, in our path toward conversion. We have to just realize that's that's you know something we have to continue to overcome. Right, right. right. So we've used this uh, one example, uh, I mean, just one brief example here in Colossians uh, two and verse thirteen and fourteen to talk about you know how certain passages are misunderstood and misused. To understand it in that way, to think that the law is done away through Colossians two thirteen and fourteen, there, it would be having to throw out again the very clear, plain scriptures that we just have gone through, and there are so many more. Obviously, we don't, don't have the time to get into them. Um, so God's law has not been done away. We do have another example that we want to go through uh, right now. Uh, that is from Luke 23 and verse 43, uh, and the, the question of uh, do we go to heaven? Is it our reward to go to heaven when we die, or do we go to ho- heaven as soon as we die? Uh, Luke 23 and verse 43. Uh, one of you want to start out with that? Luke 23 and verse 43. I'll read it uh, real okay. quick. Uh, I'll get, I got okay. it. Yeah. And it's just a very simple verse here, but once again, one of those verses that has been so misunderstood and misused because of the, under, the lack of understanding, but Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you today, I will, I'm sorry, you will be with me in paradise. Well, here he's nailed to the cross. He's got these other sinners with him that are nailed to crosses next to him. He's about to die, and he's looking at these sinners, and he's saying, you're going to heaven with me. Or at least that's what a lot of people believe, that they were going to paradise. But... What most people don't understand is that they understand this, that this originally was written in the Greek and then translated into the English language. And there's a punctuation issue because the original manuscripts didn't have punctuation. They got the scrolls and and everything, but there weren't punctuation there. Man has inserted the punctuation marks as they felt was appropriate. And here is a case where you have a comma that's put in the wrong place. So as you look in your Bibles, you're going to see it says, Assuredly, comma, I say to you, comma, today you will be with me in paradise. Well, that says today you're going to heaven as, as the average person that is a Christian and think and believes that you go to heaven when you die. And yet, if you move that comma, the second comma there, and let's read it a different way. Assuredly, I say to you today, comma, the comma after today, you will be with me in paradise. You're not going to be there with me today, but all of mankind is going to have the opportunity to, in essence, be with Jesus Christ in, as it's termed here, paradise, in God's kingdom at some point eventually. Mm -hmm. But you don't it, this doesn't in any way prove that when you die, you go to heaven. Right. And there's so many other scriptures that we can look at that, that, and, and cover about that, mm-hmm. but 
this is one that is so mistaken by so many people simply because of a comma. comma. It makes right. me think about a T-shirt that I saw. It said, uh, uh, let's eat grandma. And then it said, let's eat, comma, grandma. Let's eat. So the uh, comma makes a big difference there. In fact, it does in this case for sure. Commas save lives. Commas save lives. That's what <laughs> that's <right. laughs> Commas save lives. Commas save so, lives. I like that. Uh, uh, you, you know, as, as you were saying, that when, when Christ died... Uh, he said the only sign of his messiahship yeah. would be that he would be in the grave three days and three nights. That's where he was going. He wasn't going to heaven. In fact, there in John 20 and verse 17, he said, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. So, so even after his resurrection... He still told some of those that uh, came to, to find him, to see him, he had not yet risen to his father. So there, as you said, comparing it with other scriptures, we find that, you know, not just the punctuation, but even just the, the, get the getting the bigger picture, looking at different uh, pieces of the puzzle right. starts to make the picture more clear. And uh, he, was, he, he was in the ground. He was in the grave for three days and three nights. That, that's not. what the Ab scripture says. The punctuation absolutely. helps us to understand it properly right. with the scripture. That's right. right. And you know, I guess the question is, was, was Jesus a liar or did he tell the truth? Right. What do you think? Okay, right. I'm asking you, the audience, was Jesus a liar? Okay, what did he say in John 3.13? Right. No one, no one, meaning no one ever has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. Okay, so <laughs> what happened to all the saints? Right. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob mm -hmm. and all the others that are right. were That's good right. people, they lived godly lives. You read in Hebrews 11, you talk that the, the mm -hmm. names of some, of many that are that are in essence called the saints of God. Yeah, and waiting the resurrection. Yeah, well, yeah, people don't get that part right. either. Yeah. But the the reality of it is that the people just don't want to. They 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 like they want to just forget that verse was there, mm -hmm. and you know to say that this verse right here, and right. and say well you know that was a mistake or it was a mistranslation or something. But they don't want to prove the Bible. They don't want to prove that this is the word of God. And these scriptures are here in the original manuscripts that have been passed down and, and all over the, the thousands of years since they were written. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's very clear. You don't go to heaven when you die. I'm sorry for some of you who really would love to do that. I really am I'm sorry for you. But eventually, if you live a godly life, you will be resurrected mm -hmm. and you will be in the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And you will stand on the sea of glass, as it talks about in Revelation, and uh, I believe it's chapter 14, before God's throne, and you will be, in, in essence, in heaven, you will be able to be wed with his son, and, and all of that. But when you die, you're buried in the ground, just like all the other people for the last 6,000 years have been. And as you said, as one example of that, one of the saints who we know was a saint we know will be in the resurrection. It talks about how he will be king over all of Israel. We're talking about David. What did Peter say on his first sermon on the 
the first day of the founding of the church of God, the New Testament church. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 29, Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. And it talks about how he understood the resurrection, he foresaw the resurrection, he prophesied about the resurrection, and then it says, and he prophesied about the Messiah being, being resurrected. But then it says, verse 34, For David did not ascend into the heavens. He did not ascend in, into the heavens. As you said, it's very clear. We have to take the, the clear scriptures and understand the unclear in the light of the clear, right. and the picture starts to take shape, and it starts to uh, make more sense. Makes sense. Makes sense with the rest of Scripture, with the rest of God's Word. Let um, me just make one little interjection here, just for those of you watching. Uh, we have another website, other than our Tomorrow's World website, called The Bible Says That, and there's some very good information on that website for a lot of these topics and many others that we're talking about here today that uh, there's one on heaven, there's one on hell, there's one on Christmas, there's one on Easter, there's one on the Sabbath, mm -hmm. and uh, you know all the resurrection and all kinds of things. So if you haven't done it before, go check out thebiblesaysthat.com. It's a very interesting and unique website, very different than the Tomorrow's World website. Um, it, the expression that we've used is it kind of pokes you in the eye and, uh, and, and it challenges you with some, some questions that maybe you have always thought, well, this is the way I thought, and it answers them with very good biblical un understanding and instruction. I'll tell you what, actually, we were just about to go to that. We wanted to talk about that, uh, and actually, it's uh, the Bible says that.org. Um, just absolutely, I've heard... It'll, it'll actually go to either. That's good. Okay, that, that's good to know. Um, uh, I... I've heard fantastic things about it from people uh, saying it's very clear, very well put together, this site. I mean, just, just looks good. Um, very helpful information there. I, I just went through it uh, earlier today, and just a few topics that are mentioned on there. You mentioned a few, but uh, I saw specifically uh, information about the rapture, about hell, about the crucifixion, Christmas, the Bible, heaven, prophecy, Satan, uh, the immortal soul, and uh, there's j definitely a whole lot more on this uh, site. Just a very powerful, helpful site in understanding Scripture. Yeah. No, I mean, we uh, say we, I, I had some helping hand input in getting it going and, and everything, and uh, I, I really think it's a great website that for somebody who's just interested and has some questions that you can go and very get some very concise answers. There's some of the pages that you can go to that are called quick Q&As, quick question and answers, that are just going to give you a couple of paragraphs and give you a basic answer, but then if you want more information, you can click through and read articles, and it, you can order booklets or read them online, uh, and that sort of thing. But you can it, go it, deeper. It, you can, you Simple can answers, dive you can deeper, deeper and deeper into a subject mm -hmm. that can really help be able to, you know, help your understanding of God's Word and what it says. Right. And once again, we're not putting our own twist on this, as so many people say, that, you know, oh, well, that's just what you think. We're backing everything we say up with God's Word. It's got to be proven from it, His it, Word. It, it, it isn't my proven. Word. No. It, it, what I think, or what, so to speak, or what I say is irrelevant unless it's backed up by what God's right. Word says. Mm -hmm. uh, any other so, final comments? You know, I do, in, just in terms of, uh, of, the, of God's Word and, 
and how we relate to it, how we understand it. Um, you know, if anyone is, is viewing us for the first time or they're just coming along and, and reading our literature and they're really seeking to understand God, there's some very, very encouraging passages we see in the Scripture. Isaiah 55 and verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. We have to be willing to change. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. So as we approach Scripture and as we're trying to understand Scripture, you know, if, if we're really asking God to help us to understand and, and to change and willing to forsake our own thoughts about things, God is, God is, is ultimately wanting every man, woman, and child right. in their time, in, in His will, according to His timing, to understand. Everybody. Very encouraging to, that we can put together the Bible if we are really willing to humble ourselves and, and seek Him. Very yeah. good. Uh, if, you, if you look to God, and, and that is your source, you know, God will open up your mind to be able to understand His Word. If you really mm -hmm. desire to understand what God's Word says, He'll, he'll open your mind. I mean, there, you know, we don't have time to go into a whole lot of other things, but I mean, there's the scriptures that talk about that there is a veil of darkness that is over, in essence, the eyes of mankind on the earth today. And that is why, even though we all have this same book, God's Holy Bible, um, the reality of it is most people don't understand what it says, and it's because that's the way God, in essence, has designed it. If he has not called you and opened your mind, you're not going to be able to see the, and understand these things. I talk to people all the time in, in the work that I do for the church that are outside the church, and they'll ask questions, but they ask questions because they're curious, but when you start giving them answers, it's like their eyes glaze over and they, they really don't care or understand and, or care to understand. So, you know, the reality is if you love God, you're going to love his word, and you're going to want to obey God. As Jesus, I said, quoted earlier, if you love me, keep my commandments. What are his commandments? Get your Bible out. Read them. Read his words, because the entire word is the, the entire Bible, mm -hmm. you know, from really from A to Z, from Genesis to Revelation, is the inspired word of God. Yeah, if we want to understand, and we ask God, and we humble ourselves, he will give understanding. He will give understanding. Uh, I want to thank you, gentlemen, for, for joining us mm -hmm. today. I want to thank everyone for joining us. And uh, thank you for your questions, your suggestions as well. Be sure, again, to like us on Facebook and YouTube. And uh, remember, we're live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and we'll see you next time.